0: Girls, a weekly wrestling podcast that is guaranteed to contain at least 85% bloodline content. Each week, we talk about friendship, betrayal, identity crises, family, dated pop culture references, and sometimes the stuff that happens in the ring. I'm Abigail. I'm joined once again by my co-host Jillian, and we are so happy to be talking about wrestling with you this week. So How you doing, happy. dude?
1: How you it? Give me a temperature check. Um. I feel, I feel a lot. I don't. I can't really name any of the emotions, but it's a lot mm-hmm. of them. Yeah, I I feel
0: like it's an unusual miasma of emotional experiences floating it's in like, here.
1: It's like if I wrote fan fiction about wrestling. I don't, but if I did, it's like some of my fan fiction dreams would be coming true.
0: Like you could, you could see yourself sliding down that rabbit hole <laughs> given everything that's going on. I really could. <laughs> well, I think if it's okay with you, without any further ado, um, we should smack it down
1: immediately. Yes, let's let's do this.
0: So Smackdown begins as it almost always does these days. Uh, the bloodline is here, but they're missing one key
1: ingredient. J love oh yeah Jay. yeah
0: well I mean they're clearly missing that although they also have it but in a twisted and unhealthy way so that's
1: true I asked my uh, spouse if he would do the bloodline salute if he were there you know in the audience yeah and he said no because <sighs> quote I'm not down with the ones anymore oh <laughs> <laughs> what um, what about you I mean, I'm still down with the ones. Although I have to say, I don't know, after Raw, that really took a chunk out of my heart.
0: I want to tell you that I wouldn't do it, but I 100% know that presented with the opportunity, I would throw up the one.
1: I absolutely would. I do all the dumb shit that, I mean, that that's dumb, but I do all the dumb shit that wrestlers <laughs> do when I'm at the shows. I'm like, yeah. yeah. Like, I do all of it. I don't care. It's too much fun. I get caught up in it.
0: Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to deny myself the joy for some sort no. of ideological purity on the bloodline. <laughs> Can't do it. No, I would definitely put my little finger <laughs> up in the air. Um, I saw a very interesting sign at the beginning of SmackDown, and I'm wondering if you saw it as well. Ooh. It said,
1: Roman Reigns is the Steven Seagal of WWE. <laughs> uh, my spouse saw it. I didn't see it, but I did hear about it, and that was really good. I really liked it because it was a very strange intersection
0: with one of my podcasting interests and yours, the dollop. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, thanks to Dave Anthony's tireless work on that show, despite his father being cold bloodedly murdered by his co host, Gary Reynolds, we know that Roman yeah. Reigns is not the Steven Seagal of the WWE. As bad as he is, we know <laughs> that he is not Seagal bad. Maybe it was just like a ponytail reference. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's maybe, true. Though. Maybe. He's, a monster. Perhaps he's skilled in the ways of Aikido. I doubt it. I also doubt it. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, things... things got off to a start right away. I noticed uh-huh. that Solo saluted for a very long time tonight, and now I'm convinced he's fucking with me personally.
1: I love that you pay attention to this stuff because I never remember to, so I'm really grateful that you're like paying attention to the pointies, because it's important.
0: It's everything is meaningful, everything.
1: I really thought it was funny how Cody keeps like mentioning AEW.
0: I know more and more to
1: talk about it so much. Me and my buddy's little indie show. Mm Mm-hmm. Like I feel like he like mentions it. In slightly more obvious ter- terms every time he mentions it.
0: I feel like he's minutes away from saying, like, my good friend Tony Khan or something. <laughs> just putting it <laughs> out
1: there. He's going to somehow work in the words all elite and wrestling in different sentences. Yes. It'll be a code. So, when
0: this started, I was like,
1: I think everyone
0: is about to be extremely bitchy. Mm-hmm. And i wasn't disappointed what what did you think about what follows like what did you think about this moment between them
1: i was distracted by the fact that i'm pretty sure roman said that um dusty groomed him okay yeah yeah from the time (laughs) he's a small child i was like buddy no i feel like this angle for me it doesn't work and i think i don't know i mean when paul Heyman first brought it up you know when he was like Dusty said Roman was the son he never had. I'm just like, I just, I can't, I cannot buy it. So this whole weird angle that like, you know, Dusty loved me more than his other children or his, you know, actual children. I don't know. It just feels, it doesn't, it doesn't do for me what I think they want it to do for me. Um, I don't know. I, I guess that's how i feel about it i don't know how to put that into a single word
0: i mean i i think that's fair i think the reason it does work for me is because you know one thing i've been asking myself a lot since cody came back is like how long is cody going to be all about his dad mm-hmm. in some ways you can't untangle that right like his dad yeah. is such a presence in professional wrestling yeah um it's like you know asking how long stephanie mcmahon will be in the shadow of her father it's a very difficult Mm -hmm. thing but i kind of i kind of like the way that roman is going after him on this and cody is sort of responding by acknowledging any sort of critique of like well he's all about his father who is cody rhodes really i mean he was i think really blatant this week about like yeah i I have to prove myself, I have to prove my own identity, despite what obviously I think seem like outlandish claims, like obviously Dusty liked his own kids better than Roman Reigns, no matter how (laughs) great Roman Reigns is.
1: Or Steven Seagal.
0: Or Steven Seagal. (laughs) What if he was like, look, if I had to rank them, it would be Steven Seagal, Cody, and then Roman.
1: Does this narrative at all seem strange, though, because... Cody has been around for so long. Even though he was gone for a while, he was still in the WWE. Like this this narrative seems like because of the the prove myself thing, right? Like mm-hmm. like you said, that's a question. How long is he going to be in the shadow? Will he be in it forever? But like when are they going to stop bringing up Dusty? I don't know. Like it it feels like this would make more sense if Cody were a new wrestler. A new Nepo baby.
0: I can totally see that. I think it makes sense for for two reasons to me, but I get get what you're saying. One, I think, you know, like, Roman was talking about Dusty's kids, Mm -hmm. like all the wrestlers that came up in NXT under him. Like, it's a golden era of those wrestlers right now, right? So the, the wrestlers that he kind of, you know, guided up from NXT under the main roster are all kind of like, not all but a lot of them at really high levels of success you know he mentioned seth and becky Mm -hmm. and himself the other thing is like cody's first go around with wwe was awful do you know what i mean like i mean he kind of cliff notes this when he's talking about it but like he was randy orton's understudy in the legacy and then he was stardust which was like awful like really (laughs) i think he made the best of it i think cody did more with stardust than many people could Yeah. So I think he's coming from this cloud of like, your first go round was not, not incredible. You didn't make the most of being a Nepo baby. And now here you are. Like you've proven yourself somewhere else. But now you're back to the scene of your earliest
1: defeats. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense as well. I just also, I need some time with it, I think
0: not everything works for everybody like i don't know i think there's some things in wrestling that are universally agreed upon to be great and i'm like well i don't like it so yeah that is very fair
1: yeah there's a lot of things i don't like so (laughs) (laughs) it's not surprising
0: well these two will continue to play an outsized role as our conversations develop but um up next, we had a confrontation between Liv Morgan and Rhea Ripley and I really enjoyed when Michael Cole, was, you know, saying that Rhea's coming out and he says accompanied by her boyfriend. <laughs> it was so bitchy. I was like, so this is just the wrestling bitchitude
1: hour. I like bitchy Cole, it's funny.
0: I do too. Um what do you what do you think about you know, Liv's place in Rhea's
1: journey to WrestleMania and how this match played out. So I, I wrote some thoughts down uh, because as I was watching this, it was occurring to me like it seems like it seems like Liv's not a consistent enough wrestler. So like, When I was watching her wrestle Rhea, I couldn't tell, like, I I had a hard time making Liv out to be, like, a formidable opponent for Rhea. Mm -hmm. Like, it's something about Liv that I can't put my finger on. Like, like she lasted a super long time in the Women's Royal Rumble and then kind of got kicked out relatively quickly in the um, Elimination Chamber, I think. Yeah. And then, like... Like, she's not, she's kind of inconsistent in, like, how they also, how they talk about her. Like, sometimes she's, like, this incredible, amazing wrestler. And then sometimes she's just, like, eh, there's not much happening with her. So I get kind of confused about what we're supposed to think about Liv Morgan. Mm -hmm. Beyond the fact that, like, she's crazy. Like, I don't. (laughs) I thought the inverted cloverleaf thing was fucking cool.
0: That was so brutal, especially when Rhea had her knee on the back of Liv's head. I was like, oh my God, leave her alive, Rhea.
1: Did you see that child crying after the
0: match? It broke my heart. She was so that upset. Poor girl.
1: But I, I don't know if I'm putting it into words properly, but it just seems like Liv Morgan is supposed to be a bigger deal. Yes. Than she is. Like, I, I they're think not letting are. her. I don't know.
0: I think you're putting it into words properly, and I... I think for me, what Liv Morgan needs is a solid mid-card feud. Yeah. Like, she needs to be away from Rhea Ripley. Mm -hmm. I don't think given where she is right now, like, she is not going to have a battle of the ages with Rhea Ripley right now. Yeah. And I I think if you kept her away from Rhea Ripley and focused her more on, like, finding someone in the mid-card to have a really solid non-title feud, it would do a lot more for her than what we're doing for her right now. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, I, I felt terrible about Live Girl, and I hope she's okay. <laughs> I do
1: too. <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh. <laughs> I have felt that way, that little girl felt, like, yeah, many times watching wrestling. I just didn't express it as much as she did, so I'm glad that she felt safe to express it.
0: You know, you know who else felt that way on... Friday at Smackdown? Hmm. You? Jimmy. Jimmy felt that way because uh, Roman is not being particularly chill in our next segment about Jay's rebellion.
1: I need the bloodline to go to family therapy. This is fucking stupid. Oh, yeah. Yesterday. It's just like, I don't know, someone consistently in your life, like avoiding responsibility at all costs and like blaming everyone for like other people fucking up it just sounds like it's just like the worst management structure
0: (laughs) it absolutely is it's like a very abusive boss where you are being held accountable for someone else's very reasonable mental breakdown yeah (laughs) Like, you know, my boss calls me in the office and is like, look, Jillian is crying in the bathroom again and I'm going to need you to sort this out. And it's like, what can I do
1: about it? I don't select our benefits package.
0: (laughs) This is not for me to solve.
1: Yeah, I don't... I I mean, I get it, right? Roman's supposed to be unreasonable and ridiculous. He's doing a good job of being unreasonable and ridiculous. But it's just like... Now I'm kind of like, okay, Jimmy, so now's the time to just say fuck off and leave you know like yeah get it together man i think that's it right like roman
0: reigns the dude whose name is obviously not roman reigns joe the dude is doing such a good job portraying (laughs) roman reigns as this just like unfathomable monster yeah like i'm really feeling it like, I feel personally victimized by Roman Reigns. And I'm certainly <laughs> not dealing with what Jimmy's dealing with. I don't even go there. So.
1: Yeah. I can't. I can't think of him as Joe. It's too funny.
0: I know. It's is, it's really. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: So is Jimmy married to Naomi? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Why is Naomi putting up with this shit? Naomi needs to, like, kick Jimmy in the butt. I feel like she's way smarter than this.
0: It would be pretty amazing if she came back and was like, Bitches, I run the bloodline now, and we're gonna sort this out, and we are not gonna have Memorial Day be screwed up. We're gonna have a nice family holiday.
1: First <laughs> order of business, everybody's getting light up shoes. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, that would I'd go a so long happy. way to making everyone happy, wouldn't it? I'd be ten
1: percent happier with light up shoes. Absolutely. I just it's one of my dreams to have those fucking light up shoes. <laughs>
0: So this theme of family disharmony is going
1: to uh, it's going to continue in a big
0: way in our next segment, because backstage we see Rhea and Dom Dom and they run into Santos Escobar, Rey Mysterio's best friend and fiercest advocate. And interrupter. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't
1: know how to be a good friend, but he is trying. (laughs) Yeah, I was still like skeptical. I'm like, is he really friends? But I think they are really friends.
0: I think he's an interrupter, which is someone who's been an interrupter her whole life. I totally, I totally feel him on how hard it is not to burst out with what you want to say right away. I do it to you like 40 times a podcast. I do it to you all the time as well. But I think also, I mean, he just really wants Ray to punch Dominic. He
1: does. Like, Santos has like picked up the. I was going to say chalice. What is the word? When you pick up mantle, picked up the mantle mantle of uh, child abuse (laughs) in the in the Mysterio family and really wants to just beat the shit out of Dom.
0: And I, I mean, I feel like he's making he's making a good connection. Like he is all about the incredible legacy of Lucha yes. Libre. Yes. Ray is a Lucha Libre hero. He is going to show Ray the greatest respect by teaching his ingrate of a son some respect and thus defend Ray's honor and legacy. I mean, it all comes together, I think, in a pretty grand picture for
1: him, you know? It really does. Can Good. we also talk about the fucking amazing ass outfit Santos Escobar had on when he came out for the match? We absolutely can, yes. He looked so fucking cool.
0: He always, like, whether he is wearing ring attire or, you know, like, I don't want to say street attire because to me that sounds like streetwear, but, like, you know, not ring attire. Yeah. I feel like he always looks incredible. Yeah. Dude is fashionable.
1: He is. I feel like this ring attire has just, like, really upped the, upped the game. Like yeah. I was the I was looking at the thing he was wearing, like the cape, not a cape, like serape. I don't know if that's the right word, but I was like, "Are they going to sell that in the shop?" Because right, I would like I was ready to buy it. I was like, "That thing is so cool."
0: <laughs> if they get that out there with one of Zelina's crowns, I know what I am wearing every day for the rest <laughs> of my life.
1: I there was a moment during this match, um, when um santos was like you know pushing dom's face into the like into his dad's mask you know kind of yes. like it was, yes, and he was yelling at him about his legacy and it totally felt like one of those moments of, of a scene that you'd see from one of those scared straight camps that like dr <laughs> phil sends children to um you know where they'd be like screaming at him like do you understand me boy you know like just screaming at him and i i really had a moment where i was like this is really sad
0: you know, Santos is like, you're gonna end up in prison and Don's like, I already did the joke's on you.
1: <laughs> I did get really sad when he was tearing up Ray's mask though.
0: That was kind of rough. And there, I was like, so it was like it was
1: autographed. <laughs> it's
0: like you could have sold that. You didn't have to be such a little shit. You could have paid your bail, you <laughs> idiot. There was also this sort of like oddly poetic moment. Where Dominic kind of like has Santos by the scruff of his neck and he's talking trash to him and Santos is reaching for the Ray mask on the ring post. And I was like, Oh honey. I kept honey. hoping Ray was gonna come out and save him. I know. But I, I feel like Ray is so committed to non aggression with his son that he just can't do the right thing even. I know. It's sad. This match uh was also I think when Wade Barrett's Line of the Night was said. <laughs> Okay. We're going prison style tonight.
1: Oh, Wade. Yeah. yeah. Quick side note. I saw I don't know if he was facing the camera or whatever, but there was a moment when I looked at Wade Barrett and I was Mm -hmm. like, Jesus Christ. He kind of looks like Triple H. Oh, I can see it. Yeah. I was like, (laughs) I was like, I get it. (laughs) Yeah. Dear Dad. Be in a hilarious twin comedy with Wade <laughs> Barrett.
0: He's your British brother from another mother.
1: A queen mother. I would watch the shit out of that.
0: Oh my gosh, absolutely.
1: <laughs> Sorry, I did mean to distract oh. from the match.
0: Uh, No, that. I mean, I would much rather talk about that potential movie <laughs> than anything that happened in this match. I
1: um, mean, Ray does come out, but he doesn't really save Santos. I mean, in the sense that... I wanted Ray to do some stomping.
0: Well, it's just like how he parents Dominic. It's too little too late. Yeah. You know, not to be mean, but. He should have given him some chores when he was a kid. Right? Like, maybe if he'd learned to pack his own lunch and do his own laundry, we wouldn't be standing here right now going through all of this.
1: That's true. And Rhea wouldn't have to act like she likes him. I know.
0: I know. I I feel like at some point we really need to address what her end game is in this. Like, (laughs) is she just going through a weird era in her life and she's going to give herself some bangs and be like, oh, that was
1: that was a lot? Or what's happening here? I know. I I really hope that, like, the implosion of the Judgment Day, if it happens, is as, like, epic and messy as the bloodline. Yes! (sighs) But
0: I... I feel like it will also be, like, slightly more ridiculous by degrees because, like, everyone who is in the Judgment Day who isn't Rhea Ripley occasionally or often feels deeply silly to me. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. They're definitely more comedic.
0: Yeah, like, I feel like their implosion will involve a lot more Benny Hill music, but also lots of violence.
1: (laughs) I was going to say Yakety Sax (laughs) will definitely be the soundtrack. To that downfall.
0: <laughs> like, I don't want it to happen soon, but I am so excited to see what it looks like.
1: I know. I I don't have any ideas about it. So I'm just like, I'm a blank slate here. I'm ready to yes. receive whatever they send.
0: I think that's like, I'm also, I think that's part of why I want this Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio thing to end. So we can focus more on other areas of the Judgment Day. Like,
1: do you have any in mind? I don't know.
0: Like, I I think I'd like to see, you know, Finn, I know you're going to hate this, but do something other than this rivalry with Edge that he's been nursing for 600 years. Yeah. I would like to see Damien Priest have a meaningful
1: rivalry. Yeah, he doesn't really have anything, and he's such a good wrestler. Like, they keep, like, teasing it, like, look how amazing he is, and they're like, oh, nothing going on. I mean, I, I feel like that is probably how the Judgment Day
0: breaks down is that Rhea Ripley realizes that she is the Paul McCartney and Damian Priest realizes he is the John Lennon and nobody <laughs> else is really pulling their weight in the Wrestling Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> that is my theory. <laughs> the Wrestling Beatles. Like, the one Amazing. thing they can all agree on is that Dominic is Ringo.
1: <laughs> that's, yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh. I like Ringo better than Dominic though. Yeah, I I feel like you're gonna miss Dominic when he's gone though. I mean, I always have to have someone to hate, right? That's right? the that's the fun part of it. And he's a really But I, I I have Austin Theory. I can always hate Austin Theory.
0: Well, he is the forever champ, so God. <laughs> Would you mind if I moved on to another area of intense interest for us? Not at all. So A little later in the show, Drew is going to join us, and the sidebar let us know that he got his master's degree in criminology.
1: I just want to imagine, I I have to, he must have done that online, right? Because I can't imagine him, like, sitting in a classroom. (laughs) With rockets strapped to his legs. (laughs) Strapped to my legs. That's my favorite.
0: I can't remember i think it's in clerks one but it could be in clerks two where dante and randall are talking about how they went to community college for criminology and one of them is like what did we think we were gonna be batman (laughs) (laughs) and all i could think about was drew being the dark knight of glasgow
1: (laughs) (laughs) i mean if it doesn't work out is he just gonna fall back on that is he gonna be like i don't know a policeman officer (laughs) i'm just like just wandering around with a baton and his tank top and tight jeans i don't hate it (laughs) i mean maybe maybe it's for like research for a buddy cop movie
0: like i mean i'm not saying i support the police but i kind of support that concept of if more cops were just hot dudes (laughs) roaming around in tight pants we'd be living in a far superior world
1: Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> so, you know, in addition to his
0: degree in criminology, we learned that Drew is really upset because it's four weeks until the big day and he doesn't have a match.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't he, go well.
0: He raises an issue that we talked about last week. He calls out Gunther and what does he get?
1: Seamus. Seamus. Different yeah. white dude.
0: How uh, how'd you feel about... This exchange that follows between them.
1: I mean, we kind of predicted it a little bit, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. It felt like a lover's quarrel because it always does in wrestling with me. But um, I don't want them to be mad at each other. I don't. That makes either. me sad. But I, I also, like, as this was happening, and of course, you know, Los Angeles night shows up. I was realizing, like, oh, this is going to turn into a thing. And yeah. I think it's going to be a fun thing. I think so, too. I mean, like, sadness aside, I'm pretty psyched about it. I am, too. That happens, what, this Friday? This coming Friday?
0: Uh, Yeah, I think so. I think that we are going to make this happen next week.
1: Or this week now, yeah. It's the... It's a fatal five-way. It's a fatal five-way. We've got...
0: Uh, Kofi, Drew, Seamus, Los Angeles Knight, and my perennial fave, Karrion and Cross. Uh, can
1: we talk about why Karrion and Cross was dressed like a low-level cartel boss on a I, new Miami Vice reboot? I thought he was like trying to do like Vince Vaughn in a Swingers era. Do you remember that oh, movie? Like, yeah, how yes. popular that movie was for like five yeah. minutes. I had that he also like shaved or something his face looked weird
0: he changes his appearance in subtle ways frequently and I need him to stop as someone who experiences a high degree of face blindness
1: (laughs) it was very uncanny valley I was like what what is it I can't put my finger on it but he looks weird
0: I don't like it
1: (laughs) but this match is gonna be fun
0: I think it's going to be lit. It's got just enough frivolity and interesting characters versus genuine heartache going on in it that I am sold.
1: Do you think, who do you think will win? Uh, Who do I think will win?
0: You know, I think it might be Drew. Even though Seamus wrote that really nice poem, I feel like, it's Drew's time. And Seamus has that sort of like trying to reclimb the hill narrative that he's going with. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't get there, maybe that will motivate him to either have a feud with Drew or to chase some other title. So that's that's my prediction. What
1: about you? That's That would make sense, right? If Drew wins, let's say Drew wins, he beats Gunther, becomes the champion, then that paves the way for this like massive feud between... Seamus and Drew like that sounds good other option fucking Los Angeles wins for whatever weird ass reason (laughs) and then loses a Gunther because now they're just like eh, we don't really want Gunther to lose it
0: yeah that's the thing like I, I tried to think about who can actually topple Gunther and I feel like the only way Gunther gets toppled is so he can go on and feud for the undisputed titles. Like, it's not going to mm. be to
1: take a step backwards for him. So, Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I'm, I, I'm really interested in this match. I'm excited about it.
0: I think we have to consider the possibility that the only person who can truly topple Gunther is Ludwig Kaiser <laughs> by carelessly handling his coat and
1: breaking his heart. He's, he's breaking it down from the inside. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. He doesn't need a
0: title. <laughs> he's got the despair that the busted coat will bring.
1: <laughs> I've got my eyes on that. Was there anything else you wanted to
0: add about that one? Because, I mean, it's, it is an exciting time.
1: There isn't. I'm just, I'm really eager for Friday. Oh, my gosh. I could not be more eager to watch wrestling now. I know. I love it.
0: I'm not going to complain about the road to WrestleMania anymore, which I was doing. I was being spoiled. I was being ungrateful. I was talking a lot of shit about dad, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry I did those things.
1: I don't know. I mean, all that shit talk got us all these rewards, so maybe it's working. Maybe the negging is paying off.
0: (laughs) Keep up the good work. Dear dad, fuck you. So we have to return again to our favorite subject on this podcast we are backstage with the bloodline which i feel like sounds like its own podcast
1: yeah it does
0: it probably is like, there could be like confessionals where they all talk shit about each other <laughs> and then paul Heyman comes on and gives like the bloodline like talking points and I'd listen. i would watch that <laughs>
1: absolutely
0: <laughs> so first jimmy is like Jay says he needs more time, but then he admits that's not really what Jay <laughs> said.
1: Jay said, "Leave him the hell alone, back the fuck off, Roman." This is what I ga- gathered from like this segment: is that like Jay's tired of Roman's shit. Mm-hmm. Um, Jimmy has to go with Solo to murder Sammy. Jay has a week. To return to the bloodline, otherwise Roman's gonna kill Jimmy. <laughs> Those yes. are, that's what I pulled from this. Jimmy is a hostage to his brother's quest for freedom. Yeah. And I feel like all of this. Don't you get the feeling that that Paul is just like just like reveling in this? He just seems like so happy to be just like fucking around in these guys' lives. I
0: think. The way that this has been played is that, like, he's sort of ready to watch it burn. Mm-hmm. And also, he may be a deeply messy bitch. And as a fellow deeply messy bitch...
1: I get it. Yeah. No shame. <laughs> yeah. So, I've yeah, been, I... I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I've been paying closer attention to Heyman like... And how he interacts with folks in the bloodline. And it just seems like very, I mean, he's very calculated, right? So mm-hmm. sometimes I wonder when he's delivering these messages, if he's actually delivering messages or if he's just like making shit up. But I mean, he's delivering messages, we know. But like, I just like, its he could totally do that and get away with it.
0: I think it would be a very interesting angle to have it revealed that like Roman has been so checked out and so in his head. That a lot of this stuff is like Paul Heyman running the bloodline very, very badly from behind the throne and just making things worse and worse and worse.
1: Mm-hmm. Wormtongue. Mm-hmm. Always comes so back to you. Lord of the Rings. So proud of you. Thanks. <laughs> Theoden. I remember the guy's name still. See, Theoden.
0: See, mm-hmm. the road to WrestleMania uh, absolutely requires you to go through the Mines of Moria. And... Uh, <laughs> It's really the worth it. of
1: Muria. <laughs> Drew plays the little. What the fuck? Is... What is he? Dwarf. Dwarf. Indian thank mind. you. I couldn't think of like what his little um, character was. A dwarf. Yeah. Because there's a dwarf an elf, a human. Okay. Anyway,
0: I was gonna say there's a name for this in in Dungeons and Dragons, right? If you're a dwarf
1: or an elf or. It's a race, but they've actually okay. changed that so the newer stuff that's coming out they're getting rid of races because I see of the problematic idea of having like traits for races
0: <laughs> that's really interesting that's yeah. cool,
1: yeah, it is that
0: they're changing it up.
1: Mhm. I learned so much from you, oh, glad I can teach you something sometimes
0: it, like you would think that because I've been living for. Like, almost 15
1: years with someone who is a pretty consistent DM that, like, I would have learned something from him, but no. The thing is, in my experience, Dungeons & Dragons, while very fun, is extremely, like, detailed and complicated. Yeah. And so, like, unless you are in it playing it, you're not going to be able to retain all this shit. Because, like, I've been playing for years now, and I still don't know 50% of the shit. (laughs)
0: Well, I appreciate you sharing 100% of the 50% that you know with me.
1: So You're welcome.
0: So coming out of this backstage moment, um, Jimmy Uso is going to accom- accompany, I almost said accomplish, that's not the right word, accompany Solo Sokoa to the ring where he's going to take on a hometown hero in everyone's hometown all yes. across America and Canada, Sami Zayn, The overest dude ever. Oh my gosh. Like if... I think the only person who might be more over right now is Cody Rhodes. And honestly, I think it's a
1: tie. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I I don't know that Sammy could do anything wrong at this point.
0: No, no. I don't And it's funny because I mean, we'll talk about this more later, but Sammy has done a lot wrong.
1: Yeah, he has.
0: But we're like we're loving his redemption story.
1: I feel like I really want Sammy to. Has Sammy ever apologized? Has he said I'm sorry or I'm sorry?
0: I don't think he has. I think Sammy is still in that space where he can only conceptualize of himself as a victim of Roman. Yeah, and he has yet to acknowledge that you can be a victim of someone like that and also be complicit.
1: Yes, do the work, Sammy. Do the work. A thought occurred to me during this match. Well, it was kind of after this match, actually. But I love that how, like, after Sammy wrestles, he looks like a dude who, like, has emerged from being lost in the woods. Yes. For years. Like, he just kind of, like, wanders out and always, looks dazed and his hair is insane. And there's, like, sticks and leaves in it. And he's just like, Oh, what happened? Like, no shirt. Just kind of, like, scared and confused.
0: Sammy Zayn looks like he is in a community theater version of Castaway. <laughs> he
1: does. All Aww, the time. He needs a Wilson.
0: He does. And also a, a good brushing.
1: It's so funny, though. Every time I just look at him, just like, oh, Desert Island Sammy.
0: Yeah, he looks ravaged by the wilderness. I agree with you.
1: I wasn't so, really surprised that Sammy lost this match.
0: I wasn't either.
1: Like, you know, I feel like he's going to keep losing matches for a while.
0: I think so. I mean, and I think it actually, like, okay, so when he lost to Roman, I was like, this is ridiculous. He can't be losing all the time. We can't destroy him like this. But in the context of the bloodline being something that ultimately I think we're being set up to understand that only he and Kevin can destroy together, Yeah, it makes perfect sense that he is going to have to take a few beatings.
1: Yeah, like... In this instance, like Voltron is only made up of like two parts Ooh. instead of the normal five. God, if I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> so it's not until Sammy and K.O. combine that they become Voltron. Yes. And can defeat Roman Reigns. And the I think line.
0: that's very insightful. <laughs> I
1: like if that. anyone was around in like 1985... can understand that reference
0: so there was a moment in this match and of course all of my theory well i think all of my theories have been stomped on by now where solo is going to murder sammy right he's ready and jimmy's like no 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 let me do it and then everything goes to hell and i was like what if jimmy is in on it
1: i know i was really hoping that
0: oh i really believe like they made me believe that's the theme of this week in wrestling is they made me believe
1: yeah my heart has been ripped out of my chest so many times this week by wrestling like it's just there's just blood streaks all throughout the house
0: i feel like i have been through several bad breakups like my polycule (laughs) imploded and all I have left is my tissues and a half-empty bag of chips because I've just been weeping for days. It's too much.
1: It is too much. It
0: gets worse. Get it. it that's the thing. Like it just <laughs> the emotional tension keeps ramping up and ramping up to a degree that is intolerable.
1: Truly, I agree. Yeah.
0: So I also another thing that happened at the end of this match that I thought was kind of interesting is you know sammy makes his escape jimmy does not get the job done right right like yes sammy loses the match but he's still alive and roman is not pleased and i feel like you see him have one of the bigger reactions to this where he often just goes stone-faced but he was kind of like more like shaking his head and like Mm -hmm. visibly exasperated
1: yeah like, that split screen between Jimmy's reaction. And Jimmy just looks like, fuck. <laughs> like, Jimmy what Uso. What is going to happen?
0: Between Friday night and Monday night, threw up in his mouth approximately 15 <laughs> times. Like, that's the face of a man who is holding in a puke. And it's just, he can't take it anymore.
1: He, <laughs> I'm just... I was just, like, so worried. I'm like, how is this going to work out? What's going to happen now? It's like Solo seems to be, like, the only dude who is free of, like, any of the Bloodline fetters, and I don't know if it's because he consistently eats the sushi and the steak on the bus, (laughs) or never speaks, or just does things without ever questioning Roman. Maybe it's all of the above. I think it's two things, right? Like,
0: one re the bus we know he's getting enough protein and when you get enough protein in <laughs> your diet you just feel better there's no that's denying true. it yeah that's true but two the man loves to kill he does right and when you love what you do you never work a day in your life <laughs> true. so i mean i think really like everyone else is really really struggling meanwhile he has like a jaunty 60s tune playing in his head and is just like having the time of his life he is was there anything else about last week's Smackdown before
1: we get Raw? No, I really want to get into Raw cuz there's very important things that happen. Do you do you mean you want to get Raw? I guess so, yeah. With our listeners? <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Let's get Raw.
0: So, this is a really shocking way for
1: raw to start (laughs) i don't think anyone could have seen it coming Uh -uh.
0: the bloodline arrives at raw
1: oh man what a what a surprise this was but you know what i i don't want
0: to be surprised i want to pick up where we left off yeah like dad doesn't have to surprise me right now he just needs to keep delighting me
1: and reminds us that sammy should be dead but he is (laughs) yeah like I feel like nobody wants Sami Zayn dead more than Paul Heyman. And like he just keeps bringing it up. Like he's the one who like really mentions like actual murder.
0: I I honestly I wish there was something to your theory because I don't think there will be because it's very complex. But I would love the idea that Roman is just like so power mad and in his own head that Paul Heyman has been like manipulating. It'd be amazing. The whole time, under the guise of being so obsequious and such an ass kisser. It would be great. Uh So tonight, we're not going to ask Jimmy to solve any problems until he once again has to face off against Sammy. We're going to ask Solo to take the lead and solve the KO problem. Yes. And I would like to give a big shout out to Dad because last week I said... I want KO and solo to fight more. And this week I got what I wanted. I think he's listening. I think he is. I think this might be his favorite podcast. I'm just going to put that out there. Oh, can you
1: imagine? Oh, my gosh.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So tell me
1: what you think about Kevin Owens versus Solo Sokoa kicking off Raw. A few notes. First of all, I've decided. I think Ko's ring gear is like my favorite low key ring gear. Like I just love that he just wears all black. Just like tank top, shorts, some of those weird tight things, and like some boots. I love that. He looks. Like I love a that, dude that it's basically. It's the same thing he's worn. Like I think since I first saw him on, yeah, like SmackDown or Raw, whatever the first time he came out. Um. I at first I thought like oh maybe K.O. will win this right because I, K.O. is kind of on a tear yes. of sorts lately but it also makes sense in the grand scheme of things that he would lose because right they're trying to drive Voltron together mm-hmm. Um, Sammy coming in to like help yeah is like wonderful mm-hmm. um Obviously, you know, K.O. doesn't return the favor when, did you, you know, did you this think he would? Like later.
0: Did you think that when c- Sammy reached out to help him up that he would take his hand? Um,
1: I don't think so. I think when I was watching it, I think I said, like, he's just going to, he's not going to take his hand or he's going to say no or something. Like, yes. I didn't really expect him to. I hoped that he would, of course. Mm-hmm. Because I, you know, want them to be back together, but I don't know. Um, the way Sammy was, like, watching him leave, like, forlorn- forlornly oh from the gosh. ring as, like, Kao walked off into the sunset, I was like, this
0: is so sad. I literally wrote down, Sammy is, all caps, so sad. I can't. My feelings are insane. <laughs> and I stand by that. I love that so much. I like, I just, I need them to be best friends again. Like, they need it. The greater sense of justice in professional wrestling requires it. Like, we need you guys to Voltron it up. And right now,
1: you are not Voltroning. I know. I I really, it's going to happen, right? It's got to happen. I feel like if it doesn't happen eventually, like, I think my head will implode and I'll just die in a puddle. Um, I, the match itself, I mean, I honestly don't remember that much about the match itself. I get so involved (laughs) in like the emotional aspect of it that I'm like, what? Wrestling's happening? Um, It doesn't matter. KO did a swanton at one point and I, I wrote down as usual. I said, I'm never going to be okay when someone does a swanton. Like Mm -hmm. I can't. I can never be okay about it because everybody does the flip at the last possible second. I'm just waiting for a neck to break. It freaks me out.
0: I feel like as someone who spent her formative years in wrestling, watching Jeff Hardy almost break his neck yep. every Monday and Tuesday night back then, like I will never be able to handle that move well.
1: Mm-mm. It's very stressful. Mm-hmm.
0: So I, I think KO like
1: not taking Sammy's hand was like a blow to his confidence for the night
0: Mm -hmm. I think so too I think Sammy because he's not ready to accept his role in all this he's also he's still looking for that acceptance he's still looking for someone to approve of him now he just wants it to be KO he'd still take Jimmy or Jay like he's got to get to that place where Sammy can stand by Sammy
1: yeah and I have to wonder if KO like is holding out for the apology i don't know i mean i bet he is and i think he deserves it like they
0: i think they both probably owe each other some apologizing for years of ko being a bad friend and sammy's pretty bad behavior of late i agree so taking a break from (laughs) the saga Later in the night, Bianca Belair is going to take on Carmella, who thinks that she ought to be added to the match at WrestleMania. And I was like, are you shitting me? Absolutely not. No. This match
1: Never. was so stupid. I I wanted to talk about this because, first of all, I mean, I love Bianca. But I think, like, the fact that they're trying to, like, set Carmella up as this, like, rival to Bianca is just, like, laughable to me. I hate it, too. Yes. It's a total distraction from, like, the Asuka storyline. Mm-hmm. I'm very afraid that they're going to turn this into a stupid-ass, like, three-way kind of match. Like, what the fuck? Why does Carmella... Why is she getting all this shit all of a sudden? Also, Chelsea Green needs to leave the space closed to Barbarella. She looked insane. But, like... <laughs> <laughs> the match should have been over before the first picture and pizza showed up. Yes. Like, and I was thinking, like, I felt so passionately about this match, like, and maybe, you know, the Carmella thing's working then. But, like, I would have flipped my fucking lid if Carmella won.
0: There was a moment where Carmella almost gets the win by uh, hooking her feet on the rope during the piss. Yes. And I was incandescent with rage. I did yes. not want.
1: <laughs> I so mad. So it's just like, I don't know. It seems, it just seems silly to me. I I don't get it.
0: I think if we are going to shuttle Carmella and Chelsea Green to some sort of tag team situation. Yeah. Great. Let them do that. Exactly. Maybe they can make me love them in that situation. I, I will give them a shot. I don't really think they can. But yeah, I want Carmella as far away from Bianca versus Asuka
1: as is humanly possible. It's just not interesting to me. Asuka showing up looking super cool, as usual, because she Fitness is super casual. cool. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I'm really excited for their match at WrestleMania. I don't give two fucks about Carmella. Like, if she wants to go off with Chelsea Green, great. Like you said, yeah. maybe they can be more interesting that way. Because I feel like, personality-wise, they could be kind of funny together. But, like, I'm sorry. I, this is, like serious business for me and i i cannot handle carmella up in the serious business
0: it is wrestlemania season and we don't have time to look for a manager right now we're not we don't have have time for any of her blah 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 absolutely not there was (laughs) one thing though i wanted to ask you about if you noticed during this match did you notice that Corey seemed very subdued during this match
1: yeah i didn't notice him saying much at all because i usually like i'm on cringe alert like he Maybe didn't people complained.
0: Like <gasps> what if dad was like, "Look, I was listening to this really good <laughs> podcast. Honestly, I think they're probably industry insiders anyway." Anyway, I... definitely <laughs> one of them does not ask me for a job and or money every week. That's not a thing that happens.
1: <laughs> they are real pros at this.
0: What's uh what's the name of the podcast? Oh, it's it's like bleacher ringside sports newsweek you wouldn't know it it's pretty indie they live in canada (laughs) i met them at summer camp okay pen pales but yeah i was like wow like first he wasn't saying how like he wasn't slobbering over how hot she is yeah but he wasn't saying anything he was just like yeah, Carmella is a woman who exists and Bianca <laughs> Belair is another woman who is doing her a heckin'
1: wrestle. Like, it was so strange. <laughs> I'm wondering if, like, Carmella watched it and she's like, you need to stop being gross about me. I would love that. She's like, um, babe, I'm a person yeah. and I, no. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't need you to tell the world how hot I am. I know how hot I am. Like, don't be
0: weird like I'm feeling myself I need you to feel me less yeah <laughs> so after this uh thoroughly upsetting and intriguing moment we move on to something that was upsetting <laughs> in a completely different way in that like cathartic like the pleasure of feeling another's angst so deeply do, do you think that describes
1: it accurately I think so I I <laughs> Like, I'm never going to get over this. Like, I'm never going to get over it. The subtext that was happening here was just, like, destroying my life and rebuilding it anew. I think that, like, Sammy, (laughs) Sammy saying to Kevin, do you see what I'm trying to tell you, Kevin? Like, if that's not a declaration of love, I don't know what is.
0: Like full disclosure i think i am more on the the friendship train with this one than you are (laughs) that doesn't mean i am not enjoying it i am enjoying it more than i enjoy most things about my life but as someone who full disclosure has been working on a romance novel so much of the dialogue feels (laughs) like it would be very at home in an intense second chance romance novel where they are just like struggling to find that second chance
1: as someone so whose brain lives mostly in like a tank like like sloshing around in a tank of liquid and that liquid is just like boiled pages of fan fiction yeah melted down into just this weird viscous liquidy stuff Mm -hmm. has completely soaked my brain i am incapable of seeing these relationships as anything other than absolute love stories i think it's like that's your sensory
0: deprivation tank but instead of floating in a saline solution Mm -hmm. you are floating in distilled pain and longing Mm -hmm. and it's beautiful
1: like like longing is my absolute wheelhouse so oh my gosh yeah yeah absolutely like I I probably need to make like a Sammy KO like playlist or something
0: <laughs> I would listen to that every <laughs> every day I
1: might have to do it I might have to do it so there was
0: this part for me that I loved so much where Sammy's like yeah I was in the bloodline and Kevin is like oh Oh, I remember (laughs) I remember Sammy that you were in the bloodline and it's so good he's so mad you could tell he was just like he was waiting to stick the knife in like thank Mm -hmm. you for opening the door allow me to retort motherfucker yeah so great
1: I thought he was gonna bring up Survivor Series again just then (laughs) like yeah remember asshole like I don't know like the subtext of of Sammy was I love you the subtext of KO is I'm not in love with you anymore hmm go away and I'm mad that I used to be yes like how did I ever fall for you, you stupid weird lost in the woods man this is this is to me whether
0: we are talking the dissolution of a romantic relationship or a friendship if you're really in that longing and pining stage one of the best painful emotions is Like, not only do I not feel that way for you anymore, I cannot fathom how I ever did. And I am really disgusted that it happened to me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So intense. It's so intense. Absolutely. (sighs) I fucking loved it.
0: And I also, I loved that in the end, he was like, why don't you just go back to the bloodline, Sammy? Go back to Roman, eh? Mm Mm-hmm. See if he'll take you back, bitch. Yeah. My Kevin accent gets really creative towards the end. I, Very cute. I i support your accents in all their forms <laughs> so this is something that happens a little later on i'm just going to skip ahead because i want to mention it later kathy kelly asked sammy about his feelings mm-hmm. and he kind he accepts that ko is right that he really screwed up a little but like he's still gonna try to save jimmy he's still gonna press on if he couldn't be a good friend to Ko, he's kind of tr- he's gonna try to be a good friend where he can.
1: Yeah, and he's just gonna kick Jimmy's ass.
0: Yeah, well, sometimes if you care about someone, he's gonna take it out on Jimmy. You know, you've got to like. I I think words have failed him with Jimmy, so time for fist time for fisticuffs. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um... This is one of the the many emotionally traumatic things that that will continue to happen. Yeah. Um, Later, we return to the Bloodline uh, backstage. We've got Jimmy Solo and Heyman. And uh, Jimmy is still still not in a good way. (laughs) And Paul Heyman gives him this speech. Tell me what you think about this. I thought this was the definition
1: of a demotivational speech. I don't... I mean... I don't particularly remember all the details. I mean, it was just another speech where, like, you need to go murder Sammy. Yeah. And bring back Jay. Or like, else you, you're going to be murdered.
0: Do you remember all your problems? Good. Let's talk about them some more.
1: Yeah. It, it was, like, a really weird rehashing. Um, I don't... Like, I'm always happy to see Bloodline segments, but, like, sometimes I wonder, like, did they really need to have that? I don't know. Did it really do anything to further the plot? I don't think it did. I feel like... One
0: thing it made me think about was how we may be in the part of this kind of downfall where, like, it can't be stopped. Yeah. There's nothing we can do. So we're just going to break everybody down to their most basic components so they still remain kind of controllable. And I, I think that's where where that seems to be with Jimmy is, like, the sort of psychological torture that he is undergoing. <laughs>
1: i kind of wonder at this point like what's the point of roman trying to maintain the bloodline i mean does he want people to be does he just want like obsequious followers or does he think it's protection or does he think he really cares about the family or you know it's like why is he still hanging on
0: i think the most satisfying answer for me is a mix of those things yeah Like, it's the most compelling for me if there's some lost fragment of Roman Reigns who thinks that he is doing something good by maintaining the bloodline. Mm -hmm. But, you know, most of that has been lost to wanting his hit squad following him around (laughs) and wanting people to fawn over him, you know. So, like, the sliver of good has been lost in all the messy stuff.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: So, speaking of messy stuff... ooh. Up next Finn Balor is gonna take on Johnny Gargano and Finn arrives at the Judgment Day and Johnny arrives with his BFF and little axe wielder Dexter Lewis.
1: Oh Yes our precious little axe wielder. Sad he didn't have the axe. I know he did have black gloves though. Yeah he likes his gloves I, I think it's so he can commit his crimes undetected. Ooh. Yeah, I was hoping he was going to do something threatening with his gloves.
0: I think his very presence is a threat.
1: I liked watching Finn and Johnny wrestle, I think, because they're kind of roughly the same-ish size. Yeah, they um, complement each other well. Yeah, and I mean, I'm always happy to watch Johnny wrestle because he's fun, and I like Finn. Finn, I mean, I love Finn. He's kind of yeah. boring me lately, but I love Finn. Um, But, you know, as you said, the six-year-long grudge that... Finn has been holding with Edge as, like, Edge, you know, comes running out. Yeah. I did, like, I, I did, like, the kind of bait and switch that happened. Like, I, like, it was, like, Damien and Rhea were, like, the dumbest dummies, like, going yes! and watching the entrance, like, we're going to get you, Edge. Me. <laughs> they just stood there watching it, though. It was such <laughs> a cartoon.
0: It was, like, cartoon dogs trying to figure out what had happened where that sound was coming from and it was coming from directly behind it was amazing
1: yeah it's like
0: I I feel like you guys really need to restructure your leadership or something because Rhea is so distracted with Charlotte and Dominic and the rest of you are
1: idiots I had a thought at the end of this match do you think there could be a six-man tag coming between like Gargano Loomis Edge and then judgment day dudes. I bet. Yeah. I bet
0: that is coming in the next few weeks.
1: I think that'd be fun. I think I would enjoy that too. Like
0: I I think I'm at a point now where instead of feeling like we're buying time, this week I felt more like we were moving towards something with some yeah. moving parts that we could work with through WrestleMania.
1: I agree. Yeah. It felt a little different this week.
0: Yeah. I I think I'm a little more excited for that. I also though kept
1: experiencing this thing where I was like, "Oh, well,
0: yeah, duh, of course they're doing it. They have a match at WrestleMania. And then several times I had to realize that those matches hadn't been made yet. No.
1: Like I they know. were being made that
0: night or were kind of leading up to it. And I was like, oh, I've just assumed.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it feels like everybody's going to have to have a match at WrestleMania because it's two fucking days. Mm-hmm. Some people are going to have to have two or three matches. Ugh. It's going to be like the heyday of the
0: Shield where some people are just pulling double and triple duty
1: i mean i'm i'm here for it but same so
0: if it's all right with you i would like to jump ahead to a segment that i found interesting rewarding uh john cena arrives yes he does and uh he's happy to be in boston he's you know feeling himself And then what happens but austin theory decides that once again he's going to ruin everything tell me
1: what you thought about the discussion that ensued i loved everything that john cena said yes (laughs) like he said out loud what everybody had been thinking Mm -hmm. i don't care we don't care about you yes you're generic you suck basically it was wonderful and i kept thinking like how is a town because like john Cena is very good on the microphone right like he's honed his craft he's like people love him it's like how how is how is this going to work because austin theory has to be carried everywhere there was a point okay so first and
0: foremost for me I, every week, I'm like, what if I was a little too mean about Austin Theory? And I was like, oh, no, it's fine. I'll never say anything as brutal as what John Cena said to him on Raw. It's
1: fine. I know. It was so hardcore. But there was this point
0: where John Cena had been promoing in the very natural, compelling, hilarious way that he does.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then it was time for Austin Theory to speak. And it was like John Cena gave him talking points before the match, or not the match, the confrontation. And he wrote out his promo and then could not, like, respond in the moment. Like, he was just sort of giving this canned response that he'd been agonizing over for
1: days. Yeah. It, it was awkward, I have to say. But it like, it really worked out because, I mean let's pretend that Austin theory is like actually really good at all these things, but he's just acting right. He's acting like he sucks at everything. Like then this is perfect because everything John Cena said was true, right? Like, like people don't like him. Nobody cares about him. He sucks. He's boring. He's generic, but I think he actually is all those things.
0: I think he is too. I think, I think Austin Theory is like store brand cookies. Yeah. Like, he's okay, he'll fill you up, like, he can wrestle, not in ways that are as interesting as maybe some other people, but he's not bad, you know, he's he's good at what he does, it's just, it's not satisfying. He's Hydrox. Um, shut your whore mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Hydrox are delicious and I will die on this hill. He's no Oreo cookie yeah i I guess that's true he's He's you know what he is he's one of those like mega stuffed oreo cookies where it's just like oh this is unpleasant (laughs) i don't want this too much there uh there was this really beautiful moment where john cena said what i think was the meanest thing he said to him all night he said i would so much rather be bald then have them pipe in fake crowd yes. noise for my matches because no one cares yeah
1: i was like damn <laughs> and then Cold i was like are device. they really doing that?
0: <laughs> it doesn't matter now because we all believe it
1: <laughs> i swear they cut to a guy in the crowd and the guy was like oh snap because <laughs> it was so true oh it was so wonderful um
0: I also I want to run this this thing that I've been thinking about a lot by you. So like I keep reading these articles that get more and more distressing to me every time I read them about how like management loves Austin Theory and wants to push him. Triple H believes in Austin Theory and wants to push him. But then I also feel like this is a really, really interesting approach to pushing him where we just keep like burying him over and over again in ways that are increasingly dramatic and stunning.
1: Is this like, this was, what I was thinking like, are they putting him up against John Cena because they're trying to get him over? And it's like John Cena is not gonna be able to get Austin Theory over.
0: See, I don't think so either, because do I think that John Cena can get a good match out of Austin Theory? Yes, because most competent wrestlers can get a decent match out of Austin Theory. Yeah. That's not the
1: issue. Yeah.
0: I don't think beating John Cena is going to give him validation where fans are like, "Yay, we believe in you now." Or like, mm-hmm. "We love to hate you now." I don't think people love to hate
1: him, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I I just remember like after it was over and like Kevin and Corey were talking and Corey was just like freaking out about how amazing it is that they're going to have this match at WrestleMania. I'm like, yeah. "They're just working so hard." They're working so hard to try to make us interested in Austin theory. And it's like not going to work. It feels very unfair because as critical as I am of Corey Graves in a number of
0: capacities, nobody has worked harder <laughs> to push Austin. I mean, that man is literally like he has Austin theory swaddled on his back and he is
1: carrying <laughs> him up the mountain step by painful step. Like, are they best friends or something that he's just like going to going to task for him? I don't know. It's it's not good it's just I ugh. you know it's
0: I think it's like it, it doesn't matter how you feel about the person if you've if they're your project yeah maybe he loves Austin Theory I have no and maybe he you know, does I don't know he could be maybe, a nice dude yeah maybe Austin Theory is a delightful human being um but yeah it's very interesting to me how this is all unrolling
1: Well, and I was thinking, like, okay, so they're going to have this match at WrestleMania. Are they really going to have John Cena win and take the U.S. championship? Like, is John Cena going to do a run again? Well, that would be kind of fun, but, like, I don't think that that's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen either. I think exactly
0: what you were saying before is what's supposed to happen, is that John Cena is Mm -hmm. supposed to validate, like, after the match, John Cena is supposed to shake his hand in recognition that he has shown him the hustle loyalty and respect that he's found wanting. But I don't think anyone's gonna buy that.
1: Do you think Austin Theory holds the same amount of audience vitriol as um Logan Paul? Or do you think, think Logan it's Paul really is over?
0: Different. No. I think I think at least okay, this is my very individual perspective, I can at least hate Austin theory in the context of wrestling. Yeah. But Logan Paul is just like shitty. Yeah. To me as a person. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I I guess it's just different. I I know what you're saying. I just, it feels like they're doing the same thing with Logan Paul, like putting this big matchup with Seth at WrestleMania. It's like, they're trying also to get Logan Paul over. Because, like, Seth Rollins is, like, permanently over. John Mm -hmm. Cena is permanently over. So it's, like, in theory, it should, in Austin theory, LOL, (laughs) it should take very little work to get these dudes over, right? Yes. It should be easy. But Logan Paul, to me, doesn't seem like the kind of heel that you love to hate. He just, you just hate him. Whereas, like, Roman Reigns, like, of course you love to hate him, right? You know, like, it's, like, he's that kind of, he's doing that kind of work yes and I don't think Logan Paul is
0: it's the difference between heat and like go away heat
1: yeah where you're just like please please get off my screen yeah there's heat and there's like just fuck off
0: can I tell you that during this promo I had one really disappointing moment okay so Austin Theory, you know started out trying to play nice telling Cena how much he loves him and he used to watch him wrestle with his mom yeah I really wanted Cena to imply he'd had sex with Austin Theory's mom. (laughs) Maybe he was his dad. He hoped not. (laughs) I wanted that. I did not get that.
1: I was mildly disappointed at the end when Cena like poked him in the dick and was basically like your dick's tiny. I thought that was kind of like Are we really gonna go there, everybody?
0: Right. If you make a list of things that are wrong with Austin theory, his small Dick is so far down that list. It doesn't affect anyone else. It's not hurting anyone.
1: I know it's like, and you know, it's like the bald spot thing. Like that's stupid. Like who cares? Like anyway.
0: Well, and I, I think it's very in the Austin theory wheelhouse to call out John Cena for losing his hair.
1: Yes. very but much so.
0: John Cena does not need to stoop to Dick shaming. He's got all these other tools in his arsenal.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: So, I, you know, I guess at the end of the day, it's like, Austin, don't worry about your dick. There are so many more horrible things about you.
1: Yeah, like nobody's even paying attention to your penis <laughs> and its size or lack thereof. Like, no one gives a fuck because you are trash. Now,
0: later, we have an instance where someone is talking about genital size, but it's not Austin Theory's penis. It's the Mrs. Massive Balls.
1: Ugh. yeah I really wish we would just stop this whole narrative about the mrs. Testicles it's gross
0: so they they made another I mean verbal appearance if not actual appearance when Ms and Marie star in a top
1: gun themed WrestleMania ad did you like this one? I did I mean it was kind of weird like it was weird in the sense that like it was like they were just having a conversation yes but I think that I like, they're obviously very um, big fans of one another. I think it's really yes. sweet. And they really like play off one another really, really well. So it was just like cute and charming.
0: They have the really delightful chemistry of a couple who's been together for a long time and is still very, very into each other.
1: Yes, it's very and sweet. And I love that for them. I did enjoy that a lot. I thought it was funny. I also, I feel like so
0: often. There's this weird thing in heterosexual culture where you're not supposed to like your spouse.
1: I hate that shit.
0: I hate that too. And I love Ugh. to see, a, you know, I'm going to say presumptively straight couple. Portrayed as a straight couple because I don't know anything about anyone's actual sexualities here. Mm-hmm. And they like each other. They like spending time together. They're super into each other. I think that's great. I agree. I like it like, a lot. They give me hope that the straights are okay. They're so cute. So after this one, we have a little showdown for the ladies. Uh, Becky and Lita come out, and they're talking about what this experience has been like, and then their friend Trish comes out with her horrible extensions.
1: <laughs> did you think this would turn into a match at WrestleMania? Uh, you know what? I was not surprised when it did. Okay. I i don't know that I've ever seen Trish Stratus wrestle.
0: Oh, my so goodness.
1: I think that'll be fun. Yeah. Um... I I did have a question for you, and sometimes I don't always interpret what's happening on the screen very well. But you know how, like, Bailey accepted the challenge without even consulting Dakota and EO? And at first they were like, what the fuck, Bailey?" And then they, like, turned around and started trying to beat up on Trish and Lita. I'm wondering, like, were they fake upset? Or do you think they were actually upset and then just still tried to beat them up? I wonder... If they were, what they were trying to convey
0: was like, oh no, not these towering figures of women's wrestling, you know, like they were intimidated. Okay. But because Bailey gave them the order, they're going to do it.
1: Okay. That's my guess. Because I keep waiting for this trio to fall apart too.
0: I know. They have none of the hallmarks of a stable that like should care enough about each other to last.
1: No. But somehow, I don't know.
0: here they are. I,
1: I, I think one of the funny things I really like about Bailey is like that kind of I don't sinister laugh that she does sometimes after she yeah. makes a joke and she's like, <laughs> like <laughs> it's so funny like I, I just find it so amusing because she's like obviously not an asshole human deep down yes. so it's probably very like fun but also hard for her to be a dick all the time I think it's really great.
0: That yeah, she has this like inherent likability about her. <laughs>
1: yes, she does.
0: But she also has crafted some of the most irritating presentations of humanity that exist. Like ding dong, hello.
1: I, lo- I love that I so it. much. I love that she's taken to tearing up people's <laughs> signs in the audience. I like that. It's so petulant. Yeah, yes. it really is. And like some of these signs, you could tell people spent a lot of time.
0: On. Some of those signs are made by children.
1: She just rips them up and throws them down. I think that's so funny. <laughs> I dig it. So good.
0: So, if you feel emotionally prepared, I'm ready. ready. It's time to talk about something that's not funny. I'm ready. At the end of Raw, we know that Jimmy Uso will take on Sami Zayn. And I have to be honest, I don't want to talk about wrestling right now in the (laughs) sense of what happened in the ring. I don't don't care about that. I don't care about that. Uh, there is a brutal back and forth. Obviously, everyone here is very good at what they do. Whatever, and then we good look wrestling. up. Good job. Yes. Who is in the Who is in the crowd? Jay for And
1: like people trying to like get him to high five them. I'm like, Jay is not here to high five. He's got he business to attend to. He's not gonna be like, hi hey guys, high five, high five. Let me deal with my family trauma that's happening. High five, high five.
0: If you honestly think that Jay Uso has the capacity for fan service at this juncture, look at yourself, look at your choices, and stop being so damn selfish.
1: I, like, the moment between them, between Jay and Jimmy in the ring, oh! was like, what is going to happen? What is happening? Like, that was basically, like, the constant, like, narrative yes. in my head. What is happening? What is happening? What is happening?
0: It was so hard because in that moment, I realized that Jay was Schrodinger's Uso in that, (laughs) I wanted him desperately to never turn on Jimmy and to to take Jimmy's side because they're brothers, they're twins, Mm -hmm. but I also desperately wanted him to be on Sammy's side. He was both in and out of the bloodline in that moment. Uh, he, he was both, like, in my heart, in my head, playing a major role in my emotional downfall. Like, he was very busy.
1: <laughs> very busy. And then he just kind of, like, walked past him, and I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, so oh, my I God. So I was, like, convinced he was going to get out of the ring and just beat the shit out of Sammy. Mm-hmm. That's not what
0: happened. That's not what happened. Um, I honestly... <laughs> I honestly I'm so embarrassed I screamed I screamed when he embraced Sammy
1: it was like <laughs> it was so magical for so just- many reasons I could go into great detail I will try not to because like the minutiae of things that I noticed in that like you know three seconds of embrace or whatever yes. it was I was just like catalog I was like It was like Sherlock, you know, and like the series when he notices Mm -hmm. things and like all of these like labels are flying up in front of him because he's, you know, collecting all this information. That's how I felt. Oh, my God. I
0: just like I realized in that moment how desperately I wanted this for them, how much I really, truly believed that Jay needed to be acknowledged Mm -hmm. and that by acknowledging him, Sammy had changed everything And then I was like, oh, my gosh, what if Jimmy, like, sees this and is like, you know what? Yes. Jay is more to me than Roman. We'll fix Solo later. I'll get him some sushi and he'll just come with us.
1: (laughs) And then. Like, before before the embrace, you know, Jay's like, I trust you. I trust you. Yeah. And then. After the embrace and Sammy's looking at Jimmy and he's like, it's not too late. You know, come on, like we can make this work. Yeah. And then my heart was shattered into a million pieces. So I guess for me, like the one of the worst things
0: was him saying, I trust you because he he means it right. He trusts Sammy not Mm -hmm. to not to betray him. And it doesn't matter. It didn't Mm -hmm. matter. And my awful husband was like. Oh, I totally knew he was going to turn on Sammy. And I was like, don't be a jerk. How would you know that? And he says to me, oh, he was standing exactly far enough away to super kick him. You should never get within super kick range of an Uso. He's right.
1: God damn it. (laughs) Okay. So like part of me hopes that this is, (laughs) again, part of some grander scheme. Yes! That like... They're just like acting this out like that was part of the plan and that, you know, ultimately somehow it's all going to work out and the Usos and Sammy will be best friends. So what if,
0: what if Jay is a triple agent and he is orchestrating this whole thing? I mean, I just, I want that to be true, but I, I feel like The depressing option is the most realistic that as much as you want for Jay to break away and be a leader and find his own thing, Jay is too broken by the
1: bloodline. Yeah. I, (sighs) yeah, I guess, I mean, ultimately, are they trying to set up the Usos versus KO and Sammy title match, et cetera, et cetera? Because if they beat the Usos, like, that's like definite death knell of the bloodline.
0: Right. I think I think there are a few things that could happen. I think that's very, very likely. That Sammy and KO are going to take the tag titles from the Usos eventually. Yeah. I also think it would be super interesting if everybody shows up to SmackDown this week and Jimmy and Jay and Solo are like, yeah, we did it. Everything is great. Jay is back and Roman beats the shit out of one of them. Anyway, ideally, I think Jimmy. What do you think the likelihood is? I don't think it's good. I think it's too elaborate. But for me, it would be really awesome. If like, let's say he just beats the shit out of Jimmy and Jay has to accept that he threw all of his independence and all of his autonomy away and it didn't matter. Yeah. That would be like my dream scenario. Like nothing has changed. Yes. Nothing, nothing ever changes. Yeah. yeah. But I don't think the odds are good unless dad is listening. In which case that idea is free for you. Take it. It's yours.
1: I think you should also put it in the letter just to be safe. Oh my.
0: I, trust me. The letter is going to be like 16 pages, single space, <laughs> double sided this week. Oh man. So. I don't know about you, but I mean, I definitely thought that someone would come to Sammy's aid, Me too. but I thought it would be
1: KO. Me too.
0: But I'm happy to see Cody because I, I like this thing that's going on where they're sort of triangulated around the bloodline. Like they're all going at it in their own way.
1: Yeah. I like that too. Oh no. Are they going to do it? I don't, wanna, I don't want a six-man tag with this, though. I don't want Usos and Roman against Cody, KO, and Sami. I mean, I would watch it, but that's not what I want. Well, where do you imagine that happening? I don't know. Because I don't Some think... Some people are going to have to do quadruple duty at <laughs>
0: WrestleMania, so... I do not think you're going to see Roman in that situation at all. Okay. I think you're much more likely to see Solo and Jimmy and Jay. Oh, yeah, that makes versus sense. Versus those three. In I mean, the lead up
1: to WrestleMania. Cody's going to be in every match at WrestleMania, <laughs> so. I, am I mean, why not? Weirdly okay with that. I remember thinking, I don't know, at some point, maybe a few weeks ago, and I was like, I'm so invested in this. Like, I didn't think I could get more invested in it, and yet Ugh. here I am. I'm so invested. Painfully I, so.
0: I don't know if I can get more excited without sustaining bodily harm.
1: <laughs> I'm worried. Like, and there's still quite a bit of time before WrestleMania, so mm-hmm. I mean we have at least two SmackDowns and two Raws, I think. So It is a long and winding road. It is. I'm really I have no idea what to expect, and I love that. That's the thing, like so often in the past i have
0: felt like i mean i think we used to talk about this we go to hooters and watch a pay-per-view we'd be like well we know what's going to happen this time we know what's going to happen here yeah it was fun but it felt very predictable yep and man monday night at the end of raw i could not have (laughs) told you what was going to happen if my life depended on it yeah and i love it it's wonderful so coming out of this incredibly intense and upsetting moment is there anything else from raw that you would like to uh to touch no on before we i think
1: I, I don't think i can top that discussion in any way i'm <laughs> i'm just eager for what happens this week and uh next monday same same um anything about the world of wrestling news any feelings thoughts i've been pretty um shook since you know, Monday, so I haven't really been able to investigate anything. I don't have anything extra this week, I have to say. Just, you know, the beating of my own heart.
0: I mean, look, I've called in sick on account of the storyline every day this week. So, you know, that's fair. I think so. Well, on that note, I think we're going to close this one down. And thanks again for joining us for another episode of wrestling is for girls on this long and winding road to wrestlemania if you missed last week's show or you want to relive all the times that we advised Rey mysterio to beat his adult son you can check out our previous episodes on spotify apple podcasts or on our website wrestlingisforgirls.com and as always you can find us on twitter at wifgirlspod have an incredible week and remember that if Cody Rose could get past his stardust period, you're gonna be okay
1: too.